the super beast podcast with berg blake and charlotte um we're back for what is embarrassingly our only our third episode of uh, 2022 uh, and probably the <laughs> final one of the year um, but we are back and we've got some good stuff for you today um berg and charlotte how are you doing yeah really good thank you um it's a bit mad isn't it i think life's sort of got in the way now things have kind of opened up a little bit so uh, mm. yeah it is a bit bonkers um yeah we've had um, a quite a few things happen really since we've um kind of last met and spoke and stuff so uh, yeah we had a really good holiday away went to uh, Morocco and that was really nice to sort of have a break and stuff and tick that one off it's been on my bucket list for a really mm. long time so yeah it was good to go there and do some exploring um and then um, yeah sort of on the work front you've probably been reading there's been like loads of strikes and things like that so um yeah we've got kind of like it's been a, a busy busy few months really I think anyway but so how about you? Yeah, I've been filling my days with wonder. <laughs> with wonder. Um, yeah, like done a few zine fairs and uh, one of them I did a few interviews which we'll, we'll have listened to later on with, with a lot of like uh, zine makers. Um, yeah, Morocco was was great cultural experience and a nice holiday just as it was getting a bit dark. And then it got really dark and wintry. When you get back in like, like November, you don't see the lights for like, yeah. uh, two, well, five days a, a week. And you're working and um yeah and that was like pretty good i'm writing a new novella it's like an illustrated thing um like kind of aimed at a slightly younger audience but like this international banker who's a bit of a, a nasty man uh, and he gets cursed and uh, yeah i've quite enjoyed writing my central protagonist as, as a bit of an asshat like <laughs> it's quite nice following his thought process when he just like oh come on man <laughs> so it's quite good and um have you got a name yeah, for it yeah, yeah, it's a bit different. Okay. Yeah, right. so how about you? What have you been up to then? It seems like ages since we kind of spoke, really. <laughs> yeah, when was it? Was it like August or something like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we went on holiday as well. We went back to Rhodes, um, stayed in the old town in some old knight's chambers. That, that was pretty oh, good fun. Wow. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was, it was nice, yeah. So, yeah, had a, a very relaxing holiday, did quite a lot of drinking, like the usual. Um that was good, yeah. And then, yeah, what has been happening recently? Yeah, I've been to a few gigs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been going to Manchester quite a bit for some for some good gigs. Um, mm. So that's been fun. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of mostly just sort of thinking about, actually, it's sort of dropped off a bit now, but I did spend quite a lot of time thinking about um, the sort of inevitability of nuclear Armageddon quite a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not much to dwell on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've tried to move on from that, but that that was it, it preoccupied me quite a lot um, at the end of summer for some reason. Understandable, um, given like the current sort of situation, I think. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a, a good year on the whole. Um, just trying to keep up with the news. Um, I, I don't even know whether we're going to cover any news in this episode because there's been so much news. I was, thinking earlier if charlie brooker does a, a yearly wipe this year it's oh, going to be so. next level 
Um, yeah, omnibus edition. I think. Yeah, exactly. A few hours for that. Yeah. <laughs> All of our prime ministers and, uh, mm. and and just ministers generally that have come and gone in the last three months is is kind of yeah. ridiculous. So. Yeah. Yeah, keeping up the news is is pretty much been a full time job recently. I would say. Yeah, yeah. definitely. One of the most sort of. I suppose <clears throat> biggest things that's that's happened with with, uh, with me, I guess, is like since riding that horse, I didn't turn into a, a bastard. Like <laughs> I got a bit of a prank of conscience because uh, I sort of sort of kind of stopped eating meat pretty much. Always like eat off eating meat to the point where I was not choosing not to eat it when I get a chance to to not. And mm-hmm. It's been quite good. Like um, it's given us a kind of I never thought I'd be able to do it particularly, but it's given us a sort of slightly different perspective on on like looking at when you go to like anywhere certain food. It's like oh, there's some dead legs of some birds that's a bit nasty and like i don't really want it anymore like so yeah sitting on a horse made me like contemplate my humanity a bit <laughs> and my place in it plus it's really nice really natural to ride a horse i definitely want to do it again like it was a, it was a friendly friendly little thing <laughs> it was a big thing, thing a little yeah. <laughs> better than like we rode a camel in morocco that yeah. was that was horrid like yeah you know they were really not very nice to those camels and like mm. beating their legs to make them sit down and stuff it's kind of is this my like uh, sort of <laughs> My uh, my tourist thing is just like you're basically cruel towards these animals. I'm not really keen to give you money to ever do that again. But yeah, definitely ride a horse again. That was that was kind of nice. I think horses are too big. I might have said this before, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're just a bit too big. Do, do horses like being ridden? Do you think? Do they get something out of it, or are they just? That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, what's the ethics behind riding horses? Like, is it actually ethical to do that? I think. To an extent, they, they do. If they're not badly trapped, they get fed, they get a little bit of a walk. It was a nice scene. Like, uh, maybe to an extent, they might fully like to live in the wild and do their completely their own thing. But, like, I don't think they, they dislike it that much. As if you ride them over a nasty kind of track and, like, it's hurting the hooves or whatever. But, like, when, when they're on grass and they can do their own thing, I, I felt like they're just out enjoying it and they're going to get their food after it. But maybe that's me being cynical, like... Uh, have the horses been sort of domesticated, like you know, like we did with cats? You know, they sort of they've learned to like pats and things. Like maybe maybe these horses have learned to like being ridden. Yeah, they've got used yeah, to it, I and so. I think as long as people are not too heavy for the horse and things like that, I, I think it's um, yeah. I, I still um, I don't think I, I'm sort of like the jury's out a bit with me because um, yeah, I didn't particularly want to go camel riding when we were in hmm. Morocco, but it was like part of like this sort of like tourist trip that we did and I know it was sort of on your bucket list of something to do wasn't it so like, yeah. we did it but um I was kind of like a bit like I'm not sure I actually want to do this and then when we did it I was like no I'm never doing this again so yeah I, I don't think um I want to sort of ride any more weird and wonderful animals mm. anymore <laughs> but, but will you eat them um I do still eat meat but I don't eat a lot of meat so um I'm sort of like gradually stopping eating meat but um I'm really not a very good vegetarian I have to say like I get really grumpy I'm okay for like a few weeks and then I just get really grumpy and bad-tempered and I'm just not a very good human like that so I am working on it um and I'm I'm sort of I I feel like I'm a lot more of a conscious consumer than what I ever used to be um but I've definitely been sort of heading towards like not eating meat for quite a while um and we've been cutting down and cutting down and cutting down at home on it and then um so like now we're primarily vegetarian at home but then I will still eat meat sometimes when I'm out um which is not the perfect solution but um I think it's better than than being like 
I don't know, like, I don't know. It's better than being really grumpy and um, deficient, deficient in protein or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what happens to me, but I just know I'm not a very nice person if I go months without any food, any meat. <laughs> yeah, well, look what happened to Morrissey. You've you've done a jingle, haven't you, Berg? Or is it is it a joint effort or is it just you, Berg? I shouted some <laughs> vocals on it, mainly me. I literally shouted Super Beast at the end, but yeah. that was it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah. I think we should have a listen to that. Unfortunately, I completely forgot about it until about five minutes ago. But um, yeah, well, yours will have to suffice this week, I think. Putin is a life-head, shithead, crackhead, inbred, smeg-stained, shit for brains and Supreme Court, America is totally deranged. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, make my feelings Short down. and sweet. <laughs> Very nice. Have you been giving Putin a lot of thought recently? Any, anyone that poos in the tin is, is off my Christmas card list, so nasty bugger. <laughs> what, what a lovely thought. Did you want to play a song? Yeah, okay, so first track that we should play is by Pete Bentham, The Dinner Ladies. They've got an awesome new album out um, called What's On The Inside Has To Come Out. And uh, yeah, really love this album. Um, I accidentally ordered two copies of it in an internet ac- an accident. <laughs> so it's, it's probably... the Russians. It's the Russians. No, they no it's me. No, it's me being <laughs> brainwashed and brain dead. Going, oh, I'm not I so one of my friends is probably going to get that for Christmas as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a really great track. Have a, have a listen and check it out. It's a great album. So, so this uh, the song is called uh, "What's on the Inside Has to Come Out." Yeah, it's the title yeah. track. It is Got really you. good. It's quite catchy. Um, I know you've played it in the car a bit, haven't you? And it's um, yeah, it yeah. kind of cheers up the <clears throat> commute anyway. It's a good one. Good one for driving. It's all about Cause what's on the inside has to 
so the next section is the news is was there any news you wanted to talk about in particular so yeah just to kind of like talk around the strikes a little bit it just feels a bit like the whole country is going to shit a little bit and um i was wondering kind of whether there's going to be sort of a bit of a sort of 70s style like general strike but um i was kind of reading about this and they actually outlawed general strikes if i've read the right information anyway i feel like a general strike's actually been made illegal but i don't really know how that works because you could still have a general strike but just not call it a general strike like if people went on strike all at the same time but mm. didn't call it a general strike i kind of get away with it yeah it does feel a bit like it. it does feel like it but it's very very worrying with kind of like um ambulance crews and nurses and stuff going on strike and i mean um that really does put it into into perspective just yeah. how pissed off people are and how much people are struggling because i mean I, I work at the union i work in marketing nobody's gonna die if i don't go to work but like you know for those guys it really is quite life and death um and i just think yeah somebody needs to do something there's so many things that somebody this this mythical somebody and this mythical something could be but um there's um definitely there needs some some budging between employers and their employees mm. um and um yeah there's um because I, I work for a massive organization and they make loads and loads of money um and like our um vc has recently given herself a 14 percent pay rise so to sort of put that into context i think that works out at about 46 grand and the rest of us have been offered, I think we got offered like 1% or 1.5%, something like that. It was miserly anyway. Um, and um, yeah, it's just, um, it's a bit of a piss take, really. It really is. Oh, yeah. um, and I was talking to a colleague about it, actually. Um, and she said she'd seen something that sounded really interesting, which I need to check out, which was um, kind of a, a sort of new way of thinking about it, of um, it, within big organisations that their lowest paid staff um should have their rate of pay linked to what the highest paid members of staff have and it should never be less than 10 percent of what they earn which i think yeah. is quite good because then it would stop people taking these massive bonuses if they couldn't afford to pay the rest of the staff in the same way i think it would be a lot fairer um so i quite liked that idea anyway and this is from somebody who i really didn't sort of um I didn't sort of think that she would be of, of that mindset and so when she said that I was like wow okay so like somebody that I perceive to be quite a consumer or whatever is, is kind of coming out with that kind of thing I was like wow that's um yeah it's really telling yeah that, that that definitely sounds like something that we should be looking into I mean the the whole thing's ridiculous there's there's enough money to go around to give people pay rises in all of these organizations or at least there, there should be it, the money exists um yeah. it, it's just not being distributed properly is it yeah um i think that there was something in the news today saying that the government are looking to bring in a ban on nhs people being able to strike yes just, yeah just sort of banning strikes out, outright which yeah well they've done that for the police i know it's banned for kind of police i don't know if it's banned for firemen i'm not sure but um i think it's it's definitely banned for the police to do that which is a bit yeah it's a bit weird i guess though if the police went on strike it's basically civil unrest isn't it i just think there's a degree of hypocrisy in it especially with the government negotiations or lack of negotiations where they just seem to have done what your employer did just not not really negotiating at all you had like Nadim Zahawi a week or so ago saying oh the nurses shouldn't strike because it's 
kind of it's playing to Putin's hands. Yes, what Putin wants. It's what Putin wants. <laughs> like what a really sure he doesn't. What a really annoying comment. Like sort Pretty of sure to care. to kind of ally the idea of striking workers because they haven't had a pay rise in a long time to nowhere near the cost of inflation from a government who's given themselves two pay rises in the last like 12 months to kind of come out and say that you're being unpatriotic by asking for a pay rise it's complete hypocrisy mm. and i think the sooner they realize the value that people they've got they can try and build organizations like the nhs to be actually fit for service mm. but one of the things that i think is actually interesting coming from all this uh, like out and out discontent and kind of like just it seems like the fabric around you is kind of going really weird and people aren't doing it right that people are actually realizing or seem to be realizing that opinion polls are showing that the government aren't fit for purpose it yeah. seems to have been perfectly obvious for anyone that's been watching like from my sort of perspective for quite a long while but i think that the the middle tide are going to get carried with that idea because it's just if they don't kind of resolve these pay disputes then they're going to get kicked out of government but they'll hang on for another nearly another year before they need to call another election but yeah just need to negotiate properly and, and there needs to be compromise, not like just bad rhetoric from, from their side and, and just stinking hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine anything's going to change until we get rid of the Tory government and they have to learn uh, some lessons about um, humility as a, as a sort of principle of the party um not, yeah. nothing's going to change it's not it's not what the what they're in government for isn't yeah. uh, to help people like that um <clears throat> it's to to do what michelle moan has has done and just <laughs> funnel um contracts and money um to their <laughs> friends and family um and i i like that story because i think it just typifies exactly what yeah. the, what this government is about I saw a good one today. It was just something on Twitter. I mean, I didn't read the full article. It was literally just a headline. So I might have got the wrong end of the stick, but it sounded pretty clear cut to me. So it was um, a picture of Man Matt Hancock with um, his local pub landlord who he'd um, basically awarded a contract to make test tubes. And the guy had never <laughs> made test tubes or run a factory or anything, but um, he got this contract to make test tubes because he was Matt Hancock's buddy. Um, and then um, he's been off sick ever since so he's just been <laughs> coining it in and not actually doing anything so yeah that was in the middle of the pandemic as well <laughs> but so like i say i've not read the full story that was literally just the, the sort of uh, summary from the headline but um yeah <laughs> well I, I saw that he's not gonna stand as an mp again or at least not in yeah. the next elections um because <laughs> i guess he's got himself set up now with whatever comes after celebrity jungle life or whatever and uh he's, you know. he, he's sorted for money now yeah it's just that that with with bojo going that that whole pandemic like handling party apart from like chris Whitty's the only one that's probably still in his job mm. and he's, he's not an elected official but all the elected people dealing with that have just proved themselves to be incompetent in every respect like mm. need to change your government and yeah i hope that hopefully enough people will realize that for it to mm. actually happen i mean they've been in for like 12 years now isn't it something mm, like that years. so they can't keep blaming labor for whatever's happened in the past because you know they've, they've had 12 years and i mean yes two of them were a bit weird because of the whole pandemic pandemic thing but like um you know they've had a good crack at it and they've been absolutely shy so i think yeah <laughs> get <Yeah>. gone <laughs> it's um it's a shame that that if the war wasn't happening in ukraine do you think that they would be blaming 
well, what would they be blaming? Oh, they can't blame, blame Brexit, can they? Because this was their own creation. But they... Oh, they blame the immigrants, or they blame yeah. the illegal immigrants, or they blame the cold weather, or they blame, I don't know, something, monkeypox, something. Yeah. They blame, blame something. Blame the French. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you see? Um, I think it, I think this might be today's news, but um, that that coal mine has been approved in Cumbria. Yeah, um, which is uh, seems like quite a backwards move, especially like on the heels of the COP twenty seven and, and all. Of yeah, that. this is the fucking conservatives who spent ages trying to close co- uh, coal mines. Sorry, <laughs> they make me sweat. They make me really mad. I just can't believe how shit they are. Like they just yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think approving a coal mine, the Conservative Party approving a coal mine just shows like they, they've got no idea. They really don't. They're just like, they're just clutching at straws. Oh, this will make the working class happy. Let's approve a coal mine up north. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll get back some chimney sweeps as well. Like yeah. We send a little children ferreting up those dirty chimneys as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so somewhere that, that, you know, somebody who with a vested interest in coal mines has steered that that policy through and, and will, will now make an absolute killing and um mm. yeah it's just the same thing again isn't it just the, mm-hmm. the money the money party directing their money to the money money pockets yeah uh, i'm not even convinced though from sort of like what i've read about it i mean i'm not you know i'm not a mining bloody expert but like um i think it's probably pretty low grade coal that's there anyway um so i don't think they're necessarily gonna get like decent quality coal out of it i think it'll be really polluting really crappy coal to be honest because i think that's probably why it got left in the first place um but that's just my thoughts on it (laughs) i did see as well this was this was maybe about a month ago but um i think global sperm rates are declining um which obviously you know i I, I talk about the children of men scenario quite a lot um but i'm i'm convinced (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if it's not if it's not nuclear armageddon then you know it, yeah it'll be, it'll be those sperm rates well i think there's probably some truth in that in terms of like what goes into our water if you think about the amount yeah. of like contraceptives that get flushed away because <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of women you know they take oral contraceptives and then they're weird out and it ends up in the water system which mm-hmm. then can end up in fish and then we eat the fish or we drink the water and yeah all goes back around again so I think there's definitely some stuff contributing to it. And then all the stuff about carrying mobile phones around in your pocket and stuff like that. So yeah, there's loads of loads of things that could be doing that. <laughs> there's, there's a thing I read that's, no, there's a thing I heard on radio that was a, a, along the lines of, but your the sperm count is a basic indicator of overall health. So what that's saying about, particularly about men's health is that men's like men are less healthy than they, they were. Mm. So it's it's an overall indicator the vitality of a man is in in the in the fertility of, of the sperm. Mm. Like you say, there's possibly very many contributing factors towards that. Mm. But like the the message they were getting out on the radio is kind of like, oh, you've just got to be more and more healthy. You've got effectively then not do anything that isn't boring, just live a, a life. And, and when like I know, so I was doing like a, a an alcohol and drugs awareness course. And it was basically just like saying you've got to drink less, you've got to do this. You, and it's kind of like. But then you're like, oh, but life is really, really boring if you don't have, like, <laughs> some vices. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do with a stressful world? And, like, you know, everything's out of your control. And you're like, and you can't have a drink either because that's mm. bad for you. Any other news you want to touch on before we move on? Well, I, I think it's worth linking to a couple of stories just really briefly. 
Mm. Um, just reading Amnesty International about how human rights are under attack. Like here, we've got the like the Nationality Borders Bill. We've got the Human Rights Act under attack. They're trying to kind of make it so that people in the Northern Ireland who have been victim of like violence in the past can't claim against the government. Uh, there's loads of other things in like China and in Russia and in lots and lots of other countries that are making protests illegal. And it's just, it's just saddening that like, you know, all the changes that we've kind of got democratically have been won on, on people making protests. And then you've got, like, like with the strikes now, you can't strike. You're trying to make protests illegal. So it's like everyone's just got to conform. But yeah. there's just a fundamental like wrongness to that that's kind of really just self-evident when you think about it. The other one I wanted to look at, it was just briefly, we didn't mention last time, well done on the Indian women's team for winning the World Cup. That was pretty good. And then there's another World Cup going on in Qatar. Like, uh, (laughs) that's an interesting one. Like, um, you know, half full stadiums that are going to be dismantled afterwards, built on the back of like 6,500 migrant workers' deaths, like um, human rights in, in those places right low migrant workers who've got to pay to enter the country being exploited, having the passport seized, they couldn't leave. And then these kind of like not selling enough tickets for the matches and no one's allowed to express any emotion at the stadiums because it's against the law there. The LGBT gay community kind of, the nodes officially the players allowed to recognise that they're wearing a rainbow armband. And then we're at the quarterfinal stage of recording and England are still in, maybe we listen to this edit we won't be in or maybe we still will be or who knows but it's weird it's like trying to enjoy a tournament where you fundamentally go like it's the wrong time of year it's in the wrong country i can't believe the process left this human rights record didn't think of these things when they were awarding it i know that all the stadiums just going to get just taken down afterwards there's no lasting legacy in those countries mm. of football being left it's just mm. absolutely crazy but oh we win uh, I think one of the chiefs of the of the uh, World Cup in Qatar said today that death is a part of life after a Filipino uh, worker died uh, today or yesterday, which is just uh, very heartwarming to see. When? Maybe they could use the stadiums for gladiatorial combat afterwards if death is a part oh, of God, life. Oh, God, don't even. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we should mention really briefly Iran. Uh, yeah, basically that's basically like give people the rights to not wear a veil. Like it's been mm. horrendous in that country for a long time, so support the people that are uh, protesting there. They don't need scrutiny of their male peers basically telling them what to do. Like. Yeah, well, they carried out um, one of the first executions of the protesters this morning, actually, yeah. um, based on that. It was a, it was a man as well, um, yeah. not, not a woman. But um, yeah, I, there's quite a lot of people that are still held in detention there as well um, and basically on, on death row. So um, I think they're going to make a, a scapegoat out of a few people, to be honest, and it's, mm. it's just grim. Um, and I really think the world needs to sort of like sit up, take note and um, really kind of put some serious sanctions in place on them as well. And um, yeah, women deserve better than that kind of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The protesters can win because there's a lot, there's an undercurrent of the civil society there that's mm-hmm. um, just been repressed for far too long. Well, Iran used to be really quite liberal. Yeah. It was like kind of with the, the very conservative government that came in. Um, like, yeah, it, it changed. Talking, speaking of protests, actually, uh, I was glad to see that the, the sort of the rumblings of some changes to the uh, China's zero COVID policy based on the yes. um, the protests that have been happening there, um, which is good to see because uh, those people have been suffering really unnecessarily for such a long time now. Yeah, you can isolate from home now. <laughs> I think that, that will save the population there and stop going the streets. Yes, just to get some time off. 
Mm-hmm. It's been the best thing about COVID, getting to stay at home. Mm-hmm. What I want to do this Christmas is just, just chill out and do nothing. <laughs> that was the news, 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 news. Should we do some uh, music news? Music news, 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 um, You got any music news, Blake? Not really. Um, I failed to get any Glastonbury tickets for next year, so... Oh. Uh, and I did fail to get pub tickets because they're they're doing a reunion uh, to it. But one of my friends managed to get me some tickets, so it's hey. all good. That's good. Good. Oh, sorry to hear about Glastonbury. That's rubbish. I guess. Yeah, we we all got through to the page where you buy the tickets, and then the website crashed for everyone, and got we all get chucked back into the queue and and missed out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm going to go to End of the Road Festival instead. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Got my tickets Maybe you could that. work at Glastonbury or something, do like a shift and then get a free weekend ticket or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll try in the resale. I mean, we don't want to miss Elton John, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you got any music news? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, so a while ago, we featured um, like one of my new favourite bands, um, The Who. So uh, that's the HU, not um, not the old style Who band. Um, so yeah, these guys are like the Mongolian throat singers, like kind of metal band. Um, and uh, yeah, we actually went to see them the other day. They were on in Leeds, was it last week? Last last yeah last week on wednesday oh, god that's cool. blown by um and um yeah they were really good i really really enjoyed them um and they've got a new album out called rumble of thunder um and they were just fun they were um yeah re- really good to see um yeah didn't really understand a lot of what they were singing but um yeah the feeling was there and they're, they're just uh, they're really good and i seem to think that they've won some sort of award recently i might be wrong on this but like i feel like they've become like UN peace ambassadors or something like something like that because um, a lot of their songs are sort of like you know the cultural <laughs> culturally, <laughs> culturally significant and also um, yeah they, they sing about basically peace and stuff so yeah they're, they're just um, they're really good okay cool yeah we did play them before didn't we um, yeah have some more of that at some yeah. point they play like um, very traditional instruments as well, so uh, yeah, it was really good. Like there were some of the songs that honestly they give you goosebumps because they're um, they're just quite sort of haunting melodies and stuff. It's not all kind of like headbanging sort of like heavy metal kind of a thing. It's um, they've got some some really good melodies and things as well and harmonies in their songs yeah. and stuff. And, they, yeah, they did end with a, a cover of "Sad but True" by Metallica, but in in Mongolian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> How about you, Berg? Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of music news. So okay. there's been quite a lot of released albums this last month, so I'm just going to go through some of them. So we've got um, Dance with the Devil by Nosebleed. Um, that's some nice garage punk from Leeds. It's, it's been a bit of a Chinese democracy for Ben and Elliot and Dickie that have just been sat on this album for about like two or three years. Um, but yeah, it's out and I've uh, been checking it out. It's, it's, it's quite nice. Uh, Pete Bentham and the Dinner Ladies, we mentioned and played them earlier. Uh, their album, What's on the Inside Has to Come Out, is fantastic. And it comes, or it came for me with a signed serviette. Like, uh, so it's kind of nice dancing, uh, kind of rock and roll with a bit of, with a bit of brass and a bit of harmony. And uh, yeah, dealing with some decent, like modern issues. Really like Pete's uh, style and his songwriting, and uh, yeah, uh, it's a great follow-up to England's Up for Sale. It was just out sort of pre-pandemic. 
Um, one album I've been able to get a hold of is by No Effects, um, which is double album um, that was recorded again pre-pandemic. But Fat Mike's been sat on it like an egg, mixing it for a long time. <laughs> haven't been able to get a copy because it's, yeah, sat on it like an egg. Uh, yeah, hasn't, hasn't really hit any of the local high street shops yet. Um, it's not hitting the UK for a couple of weeks, but yeah, the songwriting on the last one was, was pretty good, and I look forward to that. Like, no effects. He said that they're stopping touring at the end of 2023, but he's going to continue just to write albums and stuff because uh, he's running like a record label. Well, uh, yeah, Sunliner, the band that was formerly Jake and the Jellyfish, they've released uh, a self titled album which hasn't arrived yet because of some delay in vinyl cutting or CD writing, but they've sent me an electronic copy, which I'm not going to listen to yet. But yeah, I, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of time for Jake and uh, former Burley resident like myself who bump into him in the pub sometimes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice music that, that those guys are playing. And I look forward to checking out the new album. We went and watched X-Ray Cat Trio. Oh yeah, that was a grand gig. I probably yeah. didn't mention that. Like, yeah. Yeah, they, they released an album called Haunted. Most of the stuff that they recorded, it's kind of like, we played them a few times with podcast and Tim Loud played one of their tracks when he was on, he was good mates with, with Nick, um, the singer and guitarist. But like Haunted is, is like a studio album, it's been recorded by other people, they record a lot of stuff like on, on tape at home, but they record on tape in the studio. Yeah, I, I'd like to to say what, what I think of the album, but the vinyl skipped and I copied Final place. I'll get the uh, ask Nick for the uh, d digital files um, and check it out. I look forward to hearing that. It's such a good gig as well. Like um, yeah. I always think they're like one of those um, really fun bands to see live. They're just yeah, um, yeah they're good. They're, they're like sort of you know you can have a little dance to them and like they're just um, they're just lo lovely people. Great and really nice. Playing. Yeah, great great musicians and just like yeah, really it's always really. Like, good yeah. to go see them. I find myself wanting to listen to X-Ray Catrio a lot when I'm putting like, a record player on. It's like, you know, some albums just have that appeal to me. You go, like, I'm in the mood for that, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to hear something that's got that nice, nice kind of rocky, uh, dancey sound. And yeah, I'm, I'm often in the mood for X-Ray Catrio. Uh, I really love what they do. So look forward to hearing that album. Um, Silverload, friends of, uh, of mine from way back. Um, when I used to be a promoter at Cafe DM, Rob used to put a night on before that. I've been like mates ever since. But they've released a, a, an album called A Life of Labours. This is a really interesting and cool like concept album. It's quite a kind of dark thing following from the turn of like last century of, of, of uh, seems to be following one person's life through like fighting in the First World War and like running away from home and kind of uh, all the way from the beginning of his life to the end of his life. It's just like kind of sounds like um, a musical without the film. It's just all told through the music. So I really recommend uh, that. It's, it's, it's a fascinating experience and they're, they're, they're very good with their kind of sonic layers and their synths. It's kind of like indie, skiffly kind of rock music. But yeah, totally uh, rate uh, A Life of Labours. Okay. So that's Silver Load. The last couple of music news are just kind of recording things where, um, well, Accidente, Spanish Madrid punks, they were posting some pictures there back in the studio. They were just lovely people, activists, and kind of uh, create great punk music in, in Spanish. And yeah, I really can't wait to hear that album when they finish mixing it. It's exciting when one of your favourite bands you see that they're in the studio. Like, yes! Well, I can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, oh, and Charlotte's told me that I needed to mention um, my own gig. Well, 
So speed dinosaurs playing 16th of December in Santiago. That's going to be Tim Loud's last gig, gig as a solo artist. He's stopping touring as a solo. He's just going to do band stuff with his band Terrapins. Not actual Santiago, we should say. I mean Santiago the bar in Leeds. Yeah, in Leeds. Oh, <laughs> I was going to question that. Yeah. Yeah. We were playing some like Christmas songs and like hanging out with like people. Four foxes are playing like uh, Kurt Salvatore band. So yeah, really cool stuff. But by the time the edit comes out, that gig's already really past. But uh, yeah, we've got one more gig at Manchester Punk Festival playing our Sublime cover set. Mm. Like, we've been confirmed for that again. So we're on uh, April 23, we'll be busting out the reggae grooves and playing normal. Is this the cover set that you spent ages learning and then you got locked down and couldn't do yeah. it? Yeah, yeah lockdown yeah, stopped us doing it because it's third time lucky. So lockdown stopped it the first time, like it was going to go ahead in 2020. And then 2021, the festival didn't run because... Covid still. Covid, oh yeah. And then uh, 2022, it did run, but both Jonathan and Adam got Covid, so we had to drop that set. That was it, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. we're released the Manchester Punk Festival, big growing team, so that, that's going to be four artists in it. And, and already I've got three more artists and for next year, we're going to be a crew of lots of us growing next year, so that'll be fun. Quite nice, so if you want to get a zine, I'll post the link at the end when we publish the episode. That's my music news. Excellent. Um, cool. Well, I, I tagged along with one of my friends to see a band called Lewsburg. Um, they're from Rotterdam and they, they played at Yellow Arch Studios in Sheffield about two weeks ago and uh, yeah. I really enjoyed them. They sounded a bit like the Velvet Underground or something, uh, a little bit mm. eccentric and, and Dutch. Um, so I'm going to play one of their songs called Cold Light of Day now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Cold Light of Day by Lewsburg.
had a listen to that earlier. It was oh, did really you? good. Yeah, no? yeah. Um, I had a, I had a listen. Um, oh, yeah, I, re- I really like that because um, there's a band I used to like years ago that had um, a song called the same thing. So I wondered whether it was like a cover of that, but um, no, it's it's not. Um, and uh, yeah, they were. Um, I, I did really like them. They've got something quite sort of like you say, like um, Velvet Underground and kind of old school about them. And um, mm. yeah, they're quite quite sort of stripped back, aren't they? I suppose like there's no sort of like I don't know. It's not got like loads of fancy fancy stuff going on and uh, yeah I just really like them yeah yeah like, yeah very very static on stage like they they yes. had some sort of like big big kind of guitar solos but they didn't really move while they were while they were delivering them um, All right. yeah it was a, it was a really it was a fun gig to watch actually and there was a there's a um the the female bassist sings and uh, then the guitar player sings as well so there's like a couple of voices going on and um yeah, it was, and, and the drummer stands up as well, which uh, I thought was a nice detail. So, supposing we hit the body with a tremendous uh, super The next thing we're going to do is, well, Berg, maybe you should introduce this um, if you'd like. Yeah, all right. So, I did. A- I did an interview at Leeds Zine Fair in September this year. And what I did basically went round and just had a few minutes chat with with a lot of the stallholders, these zine makers. And yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting to speak to a lot of creative types and talk about their projects and stuff. So this was what happened. All right, so I'm here at Leeds Zine Fest, it's the 24th of September, and we're going to have a chat to some of the stallholders and maybe trade some zines. So let's see what happens. All right, hiya. So, um, do you want to introduce yourself and just say a little bit about your project? Yeah, so my name's Ella. Um, I live in a housing park called Cornerstone in Leeds, and I'm here representing Radical Roots, which is a network of housing parks and workers' parks. Okay. And uh, what kind of things do people expect to read about, like, uh, within your magazines and characters? So it's mostly guides, like how-to guides. So we've got like a how to set up a workers' co-op and how to set up a housing co-op. Um, so it's basically to give people an introduction and to bring them into the co-op movement, really. Okay. Nice. And uh, what do you think the main advantage of being in a, in a cooperative hand over trying to compete individually in this looking world? Oh, wow. I mean, there's so many advantages. I think... I mean, like, with a housing talk, not, I mean, not having a landlord, not, like, lining the pockets of some scummy landlord is incredible, and being able to take control over your housing and feel, like, it gives you the security to be able to do political work, because you know that there'll be somewhere there for you, regardless of whether you have a job or get arrested or whatever, and that's really empowering. Um, and, yeah, they're just amazing spaces of... Yeah, like I think an example of what the world could be if we lived more by cooperative values. My name is James, I go by Jamzilla online. I do uh, fancy gaming zines and tabletop games. Um, I generally bring a bit of environmental factors to it. Um, I always print on recycled paper, stuff like that. So just tell us a bit about like how it works if, if, you, if you do online gaming through, through zines. How does that work? So I sell the PDFs of the zines a lot. I prefer them in print because it's a physical thing. You can it, it just feels better. Um, but the way I sort of write, it's not strict rules or 
strict sort of games like the like what um, the mainstream of the genre. It's more sort of to just evoke the imagination. That's what I have to do. Okay. Do you like have a character and roll dice and that kind of stuff like in the traditional um, like um, so you know, how, does, how does it work? Um, in some of them it's coin flipping, in other ones it's just you just play pretend. Uh, but yeah, one character, one player is a narrator, everyone else is an adventurer. That's how I do it. I just bought a shitload of different side of dice the other day. Like, um, have you got a favourite favourite dice by the chance? I've got six sided dice. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, so what we're looking at is a, it's a hexagonal sort of prism dice. Yeah, it's almost like um, people call them barrel dice sometimes because you roll yeah. it like a barrel. Okay, so I'll give this a roll, see what number we get. A four. So, thank you very much, that's an awesome dice. Right. Thank you very much, anything you want to add, James? Or you? Um, have fun, play, do stuff you love, be creative, say, I love you too, loved ones. <laughs> And he's not dressed choice Prints stuff with footprint and other riser printers. You, you're right, it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, I can't fault your enthusiasm. You've been chatting away to loads of people and giving out really positive vibes. Um, so just tell us what inspires you to make make art and to, to make comics and zines. And... Oh man, I don't even. I, it's just something I've done uh, since I was like, since I can, as long as I can remember. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's not attached really. Kind of, it's not a commodity thing. Do you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, I'm selling stuff here, but this isn't my job. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, I'm, I'm trying to work on a thing at the moment, um, like, and I don't know if it's going to take any form. But actually, maybe some of your listeners, so maybe people can get in touch with me. I'm, I'm trying to write. I'm trying to. I'm thinking of a, how to put a zine together that's going to be called What Are We For? Mm-hmm. And and um, what I'm thinking about is like. You know, obviously, we're in a bit of a, we're in a bit like a scary or a time where things are going to change like quite soon, yeah. and it's going to be difficult. And I think, like as an artist, I'm, I'm constantly like asking that question that you asked me there to myself, like why am I doing this? You know, what's the purpose of it? What good am I doing? Do you know what I mean in the world and stuff like that? And it's kind of like a difficult question. I find it a difficult question to answer to myself. You know what I mean? But it feels like there's a drive there's a desire to do it yeah and so sometimes when I allow myself I fulfil that desire do you know what I mean yeah yeah and um, quite a lot of the time it's hard to if you're not being paid people are like well what's the point like you know but um, sometimes you just got to do stuff that makes you feel good if you feel like doing it or something yeah it's a big question, I think, so it's hard to answer, you know. Like, for me, being creative makes me feel alive. If I'm doing something outside of what I do as a day job or, or whatever, then I feel like I'm serving a different purpose, and that just makes me feel awesome about, like, when I do go back to my mundane stuff, that I can have a look at it in a different way and connect with different people like yourself. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, are you interested in doing a trade for some zines? Or, yeah, for are, sure. You mentioned doing it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do that in a sec. But you mentioned like a tarot card as well, so like, uh, should, should we do that well, as well? I've got these. I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing these from uh, for James next door there. <laughs> Thanks, because facilitating a lot of nice conversations, be 
people that but he's got the tarot cards and letting people take them and so I'm just like seeing if people want to have a chat and do a tarot card so what I'm saying is to people is you can yeah. just take one so if I got to split the pack or yeah you take the pack and split them up do whatever you want right, right. take well, the whole deck and then no, I'm, I'm going to take take that one All right. so you tell me what I got okay so you've got a cup when uh, when you when you picked it off it was upside down right Right, so I picked an upside down cup. There's a chap sat under a tree and there's a cloud offering him a cup and he looks kind of moody and interesting. So that's God offering you some wisdom yeah. and you're rejecting it and you're a bit miserable. Okay. Uh, or maybe, but there's empty cups over here so maybe you've accepted some before and you didn't get what you wanted. Okay. So you're not accepting it this time but because it was upside down that, this means the inverse. Okay. So maybe that means you're not being offered anything and you feel happy taking your own meaning from the world rather than waiting from some of my own being <laughs> idiot stuff. Okay. Well, it's plenty to respond it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, Sarah. It's my first day. Yeah. I'm in a premise. He's the fucking oracle. Fairly dues. All right. Well, nice chatting to you, Dimitri, and thanks very much, James, for, for your, your tarot reading. Well, I, <laughs> cheers. Thanks a lot, man. So, my name's Janessa, um, and I'm the curator, I guess, one of the best ways to put it, for NMSC. Um, so, we've got one issue a year, roughly, and it basically just collates 30 or so um, countries, people of colour, from Leeds, Yorkshire, uh, Manchester, I think a few countries as well. Chris. Um, I'm a lead-based illustrator and comic book artist. 
artist and I guess I'm an author as well but I've been self-publishing comics and zines about like fiction like fictionalized worlds retelling like life and experiences and um, kind of growing up working class single parent and child of immigrants but kind of making it sci-fi and it has feelings uh, a lot of my fiction stuff's rooted in them themes and then non-fiction stuff I do a lot of like foraging and plant scenes um, because nature's amazing and it blows my mind Excellent. Like your, your artwork is absolutely incredible, and the range of, of books and zines I've seen in front of me is, is uh, phenomenal. Um, were you lately you were doing a guide to people getting into paid illustration work? Is, is that? Um, I've done some workshops and stuff. I do a lot of like how to make zines, and then I've done some stuff with like association of illustrators and things like that about like how to be an illustrator as a business, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a weird one because it's like no, you go to like college or learn skills or whatever to practically be an illustrator or artist or author or whatever but then to be self-employed after that education establishment or however you're learning falls away and it's just you you actually need to know how to run a business do your taxes build a website like do promo so there's so many things that go alongside that that you kind of like have to learn at some point or figure out a way to do um, so I think that goes quite well with self-publishing because that's very like hands-on get stuck in learn every part of the process um, so yeah I'm happy to talk like I see it as very kind of holistic full um, kind of job like creative industry so yeah I chat about it quite freely so <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's like a podcast or other um, like a workshop or kind of articles that I've done but yeah I chat about it all the time because <laughs> it's really important yeah it's really good to share information I think, I think it's such a difficult balance to, to strike when you just it's a hobby or something you like and yeah. something to, to your life yeah yeah you can kind of like slide into it being a part time job or, and then your full time job depending on how things go so it does develop and then you it, it shows you your kind of like blind spots with how to be a small business owner or whatever it's like oh I don't know how to do that so I guess I'll figure it out <laughs> Okay, so um, do you want to say one more positive thing for anyone trying to get into art or the world of zine making? Oh, yeah, definitely. Do it on your own terms, like whatever your budget or time um, or kind of like uh, abilities, figure out a way that it fits in with you. I think um, all too often people feel like there's only one way to be an artist, which is to go to art school or go to university. And that is such an inaccessible, like, like basic route to it um, and in 2022 is even more inaccessible than ever um, so I feel like find ways for you to claim art as your job, your interest, your hobby however you want to do it and there's a multitude of ways to do that with the internet or zine fairs or like your local workshops or kind of community centres um, and kind of use people as a way to navigate through that creative space rather than institutions I think that's probably like the best advice I can think of <laughs> right now said. okay thank you very much that's alright to chat to you yeah you too my name's Sean, I go by Bearded Horse uh, on Instagram. Um, I started illustrating just in a, a few years ago, sort of processing mental health stuff. And I've ended up publishing some, uh, self-publishing some zines, uh, I do prints, stickers, I've got some beanie hats. Um, I, try, I try and just, just do what I feel like, to be honest. Um, yeah. They look really cool, the style of art is um, very iconic, I think, uh, best way. And you're wearing a very cool hat uh, that you were 
17 of you designs. Yeah, so 12. So um, what inspires you to, to create your your output of, of uh, products? It, it's difficult, really, because it's a, it's a bit of a weird mix of, uh, like I said, mental health, processing things, uh, serious stuff, and being a very silly person. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of the, the dichotomy and the combination of those. Okay. What got you into illustration and, and um, art in the first place? So I, I've always felt quite creative. I went through a really rough breakup, and uh, a couple of months after that, I picked up a pen and started drawing how I was feeling, um, and started posting them anonymously on Instagram. And eventually, it grew and grew. And eventually, I told told that story of that breakup uh, in my first scene. I don't quite know where they choose that, and there was like. And finally, bearded horse. Yes. Why bearded horse? <laughs> um, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, I, I have a beard, um, and my one of my friends in high school for about a week called me Seahorse, Sean, Sean Horse Seahorse, um, and I, I don't know. I just I just went from there. A bit. I kind of wanted something I could draw, something a bit different. I didn't want to set up a new Instagram handle with a load of numbers in the name or underscores or anything. So it's just a bit different. That was, that was, the point was it was different. So it's a cool name. Thank you. Have you ever ridden a horse? I've not. You not? You should. I should. I rode one for the first time a few months ago, and it was honestly. I think it's changed my life. Wow. So I think, okay. I think you should. You should okay. I should. Really, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna use their name, I, I should. Uh, <laughs> I should pay homage. <laughs> oh, it's just and uh, yeah, do you want to trade as well when we finish the meeting? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, sign up. Thanks for chatting to us. Cheers. Hi, I'm Becky. Uh, my Instagram's Vagina Girl, uh, <laughs> and I guess I just kind of make scenes reacting to how I'm feeling at the moment like there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of the anti-Tory stuff uh, the DWP zines a lot to do with like riding my housemates uh, like relationship with uh, with them uh, what it's you know like being on benefits our experience as well yeah. not, I guess I, can, I like to the reason it's called vagina love is it's just like it's kind of like the disgusting aspect of um, womanhood or at least you know I like to shock and disgust. Yeah, if I'm going to try and summarise what I'm looking at in a minute, um, it's lots of cats. Yeah, lots kind of cats. Kind of zombie themes, quite yeah. like um, blue face or purple face, kind of uh, wretched looking people. Wretched, like. wretched is a good word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, it all looks rather fantastic. Like, uh, so do you want to talk about like you mentioned like uh, your frustrations with the DWP? Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about what else has inspired you to, to create this and to, to bring this to, to, the, to the world? Um, I don't know really. I guess I don't. Uh, I don't like charging much for it. I like the idea of art being accessible um, to people, regardless of the room. I guess that's the thing about zine fairs and everything is that you can make a lot of uh, quite cheap things fast. Um, I guess, I don't know, I like it when someone sees it and they, and they get it, you know. I, yeah. I want people to know that they're not alone in feeling these things. Well, they, they look amazing, um, and I can't wait to say. Um, before maybe we do that, do you, do you want to say, like, one one thing that if, if someone was going to get into this yeah. world, like uh, one piece of advice you've got for someone that's going to try to do something with their art or publish? Just, just do it and don't worry about um, what other people think or 
don't think, oh, what should I make? Don't make things for other people, make it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then if you like it, someone else will come that's good advice alright uh, let's trade nice finish yeah. with you. <laughs> lovely thank you so my name's Becky Kidner and I've been doing these diary drawings since September 2007 and I document every day in drawings it tends to be a lot of movies and TV shows um, places I've been things I've seen um, and that's uh, that's it really yeah so I've been doing the zines taking the zines since 2012 um and I'm up to 100 and issue 112, 112 at the moment. So I'm hoping to be 116 by Bradford Zimper. Excellent, yeah. Well, that's, that's impressive. Uh, that is a impressive output. So how do, you, how do you manage to sustain that level of um, output? Yeah, it's really difficult. Um, and it's like always an uphill battle, really, to get, you know, to keep doing it. Um, like, I, like it's... It's September now, and I'm only actually drawing March, so it's just always a, a struggle. But I just feel like after 15 years, I can't like I don't know. I just can't like stop doing it. Like I can't give up. Otherwise, I'd be disappointed that I didn't I didn't have it ongoing. So yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> well, they they're, they're really really um, well illustrated and they're like uh, from what the, what I've read, they're they're really really good. Um, what would you say to people who were thinking of self-publishing for the first time? Have you got any advice? Yeah. Um, just like absolutely do it. Um, I used to, when I was at uni, I started making a little zine that I just copied and left on buses and um, just about the place, just really to get, I think if you have anything like an artwork or a writing or anything like that, I think it's the easiest way to just get it get it out there and get get it to people um, and that's really it's not always what it's about but um, if you want to get something out there then self-publishing is the nobody's going to stop you <laughs> so yeah I'd say do it lovely and last question do you want to trade? yeah yeah Real, always like, yeah yeah get those zines yeah. out yeah. thank you very much thank Jeff. you I'm Paloma or Moss Brown, and um, I'm originally from California, but I live here in West Yorkshire now, and I make really weird personal emotional scenes and illustrations and comics and stuff, and that's kind of just what I do, yeah. Okay, so do you want to just describe some of the, the themes in your zines and, and what they kind of look like uh, and, and what sort of things you catalogue with your artwork and your, um, your writing? Sure. Um, I think I do a lot of cataloging of my own emotions. Um, uh, I've always found zines and illustrations to be like a, an outlet for how I feel or what's going on in my head or how I perceive the world, um, as probably many people do. Uh, so I think I, I enjoy working out my own stuff in my head and telling stories as a result of that through my zines and my work, really. So how much do you think your work's realistic and how much do you think your work is uh, edging into the surreal? Or what do you think of that relationship between art between the surreal and the mundane? I mean, it's an interesting question because I think um, if my art really blurs the line a lot of the time, um, I think...
think that surreality is, is an experience that I've had that actually just translates into the reality of what I do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I like to kind of take realistic things and then just flip them a little bit so they're a little eerie or odd. Um, and I, I find that that's, that's where I like really hit my niche with my work. So. They look really cool, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward if you want to training. Um, maybe one more question before we do, like, uh, if you got one piece of advice for someone that's looking to get into, like, zine making or self-publishing, what would you say to them? Um, I think that there's no time like the present to start now. You've probably heard that a lot, but I think the great part about being in Leeds, specifically, is that the zine and illustration and art community is just really, really welcoming and community-oriented, and so there's never going to be a zine fair that will turn away somebody from lack of experience. Um, so if you want to get into the zine scene, trademark, <laughs> um, do it because everybody will be really cool and chill and welcome you. So yeah. Okay, well, that's been really nice chatting to you, Paul. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out the zines. Cool. Thank you so much. My name's um, I write poetry mainly. They look very interesting. So do you want to talk our, our listeners through your process when you when you create a collage? Um, how do you go about it? What's your thought process? In terms of the collage, I think well, I, I've never seen myself as an artist, so. Uh, I would say with the collage, you've got to have an eye for something, because you're combining like a bunch of elements, right? So, uh, see, I, I mostly write, so with collages, I like to work on just instinct. So, I'll just put some music on, some jazz, or like a good album, and just literally like, see what goes with what, and try not to overthink anything. And, let like the hours go by and see what comes out of it. In terms of your, your poetry, uh, how, how do you go about uh, composing and how much do you use your, do you combine your collage with your poetry when you publish? Like, what's your... Um, well, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done a collage for like over a year. I, I, I have some canvases at home where I'm like, I've got an I've got a paper collage, but I, I never do the poetry is more like an urge, it's like an instinct. Like uh, stuff just comes to me in my head. Someone says something, and I just, I just have to write it down. It, it's like breathing. Sometimes they come out like one you know, sometimes they come out perfect. It's like um, I was watching a gig recently, and before the gig, he says a song from the gods. <laughs> sometimes it's a point from the gods. Other times it's very, it's very, you, know, you have to go through it, to edit every line. Yeah. Um, but they're not combined at all. Really. I would say the poetry is very separate from the poems. Um, and um, what do you think in your career of making has been like uh, the thing that you feel like you've nailed something that hasn't happened before? Can you tell us about like something you've done that you think is truly gossip? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that anything I've done is like completely original. I don't feel 
feel like I feel like everything is just uh, a combination or an influence of everything else. But what I've tried to do, I guess, recently when I've been writing is um, I feel like I've got like a sense of humour across in the poetry, which is very hard to get across. I feel for like musicians and writers and like a very Yorkshire on English turn of phrase as well. Combined with like little metaphors and some kind of literary writing, I've got a, I feel like I finally got a more working class, like Yorkshire sense of humour in there. I think that's important to get, get a sense of humour and a sense of identity yeah. through. Like, I think, well, it's all about like the finding the voice, right? Yeah. I mean, that takes a while, but I feel like humour, like, for me, it was so hard to get into the words, finding fans and finding sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. All right, uh, and you're interested in trading? Like, uh, it's brilliant. Right, I started out. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us, Akil. Hi, I'm Oliana. I'm a level six third year student at Leeds Art University, studying comic and concept art. I specialize in concept art as that's my main focus. However, on the side, I love illustrating and doing scenes. I basically have like a whole story that's very personal to me that I kind of condense all through a series of illustrations onto one scene. So with the scene I'm selling here at today, um, it's called Daydream. I probably sold this scene at the Lonely Arts Club art show kind of exhibit where I tabled there and sold a, quite a few prints and my zine itself. And this whole zine is basically a personal story of just like experiencing unrequited love uh, I've dealt with like lots of trauma growing up and just from this whole recent experience of like something about like unrequited love I kind of condensed all a series of illustrations and basically how I feel during those really raw emotions when drawing and illustrating everything in this whole project of mine and yeah I just hope that like with these illustrations I do I kind of connect to someone uh, whoever is there that does share that same experience with me and it just makes me happy that people will find some way to connect to my work just with my illustrations and all that they're, they're very good um, just to kind of try to describe them um, it is like an anime kind of style but there's a very beautiful sense of background and light and, and purpose I think to what you do you've got some very iconic images and emotions yeah, I, I tend to work in very specific like color schemes and hues and all that. I kind of use, utilize all colors to evoke some sort of emotion when it comes with some of these pieces. So like with the last page, it's like someone hugging and embracing someone at the end. Um, the kind of uh, it's kind of illustrated in a more pastel kind of dark and light tone. It's like both juxtaposed. And it's kind of just like a way to invoke some of those like really light-hearted, innocent emotions within like the darkness, and then kind of utilize those dark colors and the backgrounds to juxtapose it all into one piece. But yeah, um, honestly, um, with this specific scene I've created, it's inspired me to make quite a few more. So like in the near future, I will have a couple new zines coming out on the side that I will sell that have a sort of different kind of like idea and topic around it. 
your method of creation, uh, can you talk us through that? Is it, is it digital, is it analogue, like paint, or is it work on a... I can't 100% tell, is you painting or you do digital art? Oh no, yeah, so essentially I do digital art, mostly. I do work traditionally, but with my whole process, I do start with sketches, and then I work through just by layering uh, and rendering through a more painterly kind of line art mixed style. And yeah, with my style in particular, with this whole zine, I try to make a graphic, so I try to in, in, incorporate like sort of specific principles of like graphic design with like abstractness within like the whole very detailed illustrative style that I usually do for most of my work. Thank you very much for having a chat with us, and yeah, uh, all the best with, with uh, your zines, they look absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I really like your cats as well. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, it's a pleasure for yeah. me to interview you. And you're just, you're, you're hail against uh, milk? Uh, I'm milk tea. Milky tea? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. So I'm Lutsa Jin, uh, I'm a non-binary author, um, I've kind of started doing zines and standalone issues of short stories. Um, representing trans and South Asian characters because there's not enough of it in the media. Um, and a lot of my other projects are kind of related around Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm sure a lot of people know and have heard of, um, where I just produce uh, journals and accessible accessories for games. Um, and then the rest of my work is, you know, around uh, creating featured novels, so I actually am a currently unpublished author, but I am looking to self-publish later on in the year with my first novel, and a lot of my work tends to be um, a bit more on the spicier side, so it's not generally, like, I don't know what the audience is here, but it tends to be a bit more spicy, and catered more towards an adult audience of, you know, friends, sex positive, Suffolk women. Okay. Uh, it looks interesting. Um, it's different. So, if you were to summarise like your your themes within your your books, uh, how what kind of things interest you? And, and um... uh, so, the sort of things that kind of interest me are relationships, uh, drama, family, and um, just the idea of you know, adults making mistakes and kind of living through those mistakes mm -hmm. and, you know, navigating life through that and, you know, living with consequences. Excellent. And the, from looking at your images, there's elements of sort of surrealism within the characters, I guess, is that a way of putting it? There's like anamorph uh, aspects. So it's kind of like fantasy characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Um, so some of my works do feature around with like uh, half elves, um, orcs, and vampires. So there is a lot of that. So I do quite like adding fantasy elements to it because I like slice of life uh, sort of elements, but also adding it into a fantastical way because if you add it into fantasy, you don't have any of the um, baggage or burdens <laughs> of modern day society coming into your work. So if I was to create a similar story, about people in a modern day setting, you know, when I have to start thinking about, uh, well, I don't really want to write these stories, but I know we would be more realistic because I'd have, you know, these elements of racism in it, and you'd have all these cultural differentiations and all these different microaggressions. So it's just like a way to get around that was fantasy stories and just kind of like, you know, do it as it is. 
a nice clean canvas, if you like, to create yeah. the background as well as, yeah. That must be quite liberating, I'm sure. It is. It's like, you know, I can make as many second stories as I like. <laughs> and then, you know, my characters can have, like, you know, two male dads, two female parents. Um, and it makes no difference because I can biologically still be, you know, their children because the world's your oyster when you've got a magical setting. <laughs> Okay, I'll just ask you one more question there. I'm yep. curious to know wh where you like to create when you write or when you illustrate. Like, uh, wh what's your sort of forte for, for creation? So I guess it kind of depends. So a lot of the times when I do start creating a project or concept, um, I'll work with my partner here. Um, and we'll generally just like concept, we'll bounce ideas off of each other, concept things out until something hits and then from that I start to build it out. So generally I'm doing this all at home at my home office um, where I pretty much do my day job and also my hobbies and relaxing sort of thing. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, we just work at home on a giant table, got a big screen. Um, I tend to use an application called Miro, which is a whiteboarding tool. So I can like plan things out on there so it just makes my life a lot easier. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, for talking to us. Hi, um, my name's Sue Bird. Um, I'm the creator of the Real Covery Zine, um, and I'm also the creator of the Real Covery Zine group on Facebook, our community that contribute to the zine we make. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what your, your zine's about and what kind of issues yeah, you cover? Yeah. Um, so the zine is for anyone who has had a big life change and is rebuilding in some way. It came from um, me getting COVID, and then that turned into long COVID, which resulted in me leaving my job that I had in mental health. Um, I felt like I needed support, so I set up the group, and then I discovered that there were lots of people who joined us who had also experienced big life changes, who wanted a way to rebuild that fitted them. That wasn't a medical intervention or a process. That was something that came from them, who they were, that they could really connect to and they could do naturally and that worked right from the beginning and that felt alive and creative and interesting and fun and helped them grow instead of applying a plaster. So um, we have people who um, have experienced addiction who are exploring that. We have people who are um, coming out of relationships where there was domestic violence, people rebuilding their lives independently. We have people who are exploring gender identity, sexuality, cultural things. Um, so uh, we have people who are just sort of rebuilding after losing a job and finding that their identity was wrapped in, up in the work that they did or kinds of who are um, have come out of sort of situations, they've moved house, they've moved town and they find they're different and they're interacting with other people. Um, so we just help people to rediscover who they are. Um, it sounds amazing. It sounds yeah, like, yeah. like medicine, like yes, mental yeah. health work through the, yeah. the process. Natural processes, though, not medical. Um, what we do, we found that a lot of services are rescue services. So, um, which is great if you are in crisis and you need urgent care. Um, what we want to do is offer a service that is a growing service. So we don't want to save people, we want to help people be saviors for themselves. Which I think is really important because then people regain their power. 
they regain their sense of their ability to have agency in their lives, to make choices for themselves, to trust themselves, you know, to believe in who they are, to figure out their own way of shaping their lives. And to be creative and have fun with it and have energy with it and make connections with other people too. Um, so it's been amazing, an amazing journey so far to do this. It sounds a great project. I yeah, think yeah. free expression is one of the most powerful things to turn someone's life around that they can feel Absolutely. listened to. And there's a huge movement, I think, happening in the world at the moment, and there's a big transformation in mental health services happening. There's some funding from the government to develop a new service over three years, and it will then be funded over the next sort of period of time, and we really want to be a part of that. We want to be the voice of experience that makes those processes happen in a real way, um, you know, that says, okay, this process has been developed, but actually it won't work because of this, and it will work because of this. We, we are people who have had experiences, you know, we want to share that. And our core team doing this, we think of ourselves like a yin-yang. We've got um, psychologists, we've got people who have studied um, to validate and kind of make sure that our lived experience stuff is safe. And we have people on an equal level to that who have the experience, who make the academic ideas and the processes work in real life. So we're working together in equal um, partnership, co-production and in equity. So we recognize we're all different, we also recognise we're all important and valuable and have a contribution. We do this through creative stuff as well, so people are storying their lives, telling the story of this recovery through art, through poetry, um, through things that fit them. So some people make spreadsheets, hmm. you know, it's still creative, they're creating it, it fits them. Uh, some people are making goal-based things, if that fits them, we encourage that. Some people are going for walks, some people are going for wonders. <laughs> We're just supporting people to design what fits them. We're also recently um, being supported by Touchstone, which is a mental health charity in Leeds. Um, there's a project called Touchstone Loves the Arts, um, and they are going to support us to grow. So, God, <laughs> Your work sounds really, really valuable. It's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to, to checking it out. Like, thank yeah, you very much for your time you. and, uh, okay. and having a chat with us. And yeah, keep up yeah. the work. I'd love to invite people to come and find us on yeah. Facebook. Uh, we are the Real Covery Zine. Um, we can be found on Facebook. And we also have a website, which is www.therealcoverylounge.co.uk. It's just being built. It's very new, but there's some information on there as well. We'll post some links to that at the end of the episode oh, as lovely. well. So thank, thank you. you very much. Yay. Thank and you for coming and talking yeah, to me. No bother. Right. <laughs> so that was Leeds Zine Fair. A lot of really decent people and uh, a real diversity of people as well. I wish I could have got around and speak to everyone, but it was nice to chat to people we had. And yeah, I hope you enjoy listening and uh, yeah, thanks for checking out the pod. Here it comes, it's a super beast, the super beast, the super beast. Here it comes, it's a super beast, anytime you want it. It's a podcast with points of view, politics and music too. There'll be chat news and film reviews and strangers that are a bit shit. And strangers that are a bit shit. And strangers that are a bit shit. Okay, well, yeah. 
Um, so in terms of um, some films that, that I watched um, probably in, I think probably back in October now, um, the two films, and I thought they would actually make a really good uh, double bill because there was a bit of an overlap in, in what they're about. The first one was uh, called Matriarch, um, which was a, a British horror film um, about a woman who uh, she takes an overdose of drugs and then seems to con contract some sort of weird disease and then goes back to see her mum uh, and stay with her mum for a, a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, she has a sort of fractious relationship with her mum, who's kind of estranged. Um, and then there are things going on in the village where her mum lives, um, which all kind of build up into a sort of uh, kind of folk kind of horror uh, experience, which is quite good. I just looked on IMDb and it gets 4.5, which is a terrible score. Uh, but I actually, <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. And uh, I think it's easily like a seven, a, a seven point something on IMDb. It should be. So, um, so that was, that was matriarch and, you know, some, some skulls get caved in and, you know, some sort of kind <laughs> of horrible body stuff happens. Um, and, and in much the same way, Barbarian, which I saw the same week, similar <laughs> things happen in that. Um, in, in, in this one, yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to love that stuff, right? Um, but Barbarian is uh, a woman turns up at her Airbnb, and there's somebody who's already checked into the Airbnb, and they're like, "Oh, we we've got it booked," and she's like, "Oh, but I've got it booked," and. And then he's he sort of invites her to stay there um, because she's got a job interview the next day. Um, and then things kind of escalate and you don't really know where it's going to go. Uh, and the guy who's staying there is, um, uh, yeah, he's he's sort of um, so nice. It's creepy. And so, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty good at wrong footing you. And then where it does go. Um, there's definitely uh, it kind of links back into the matriarch thing, and there's some skulls that get caved in, and you know, blah blah blah. So, um, yeah, both both quite sort of dark humoured um, and sort of unpredictable horror films. I, I think that they would make a, a good double villain, double bill, and yeah, very similar vibe. Um, so I definitely recommend both of those. Um, so have you been living kind of vicariously then? Have you been stressed at work so you watch violent stuff out of work or something? <laughs> I think I something I th that people do that and it's um, kind of like it makes them more calm and peaceful <laughs> than humans for watching like violent stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, there's definitely like a level of catharsis in watching. Yes, like, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> bodies turned inside out yeah um, I, I do quite enjoy it but I mean because it was coming up to Halloween we could it, I could justify it I could say look we should oh, yeah. do it. Yeah. whereas you know obviously I'd just watch that any day of the week but um, <laughs> have you got yeah. a, a kind of a star rating for that if you're the only seven what, what would you say about Barbarian? Uh, I, Barbarian was probably a little bit better so yeah maybe like a 7.5 if the other one was a oh. seven. Um, how, how about you two uh, any t tv film or book recommendations? So I guess this kind of segues quite nicely, actually, because this is also another quite violent thing, but um, it's, um, it's quite good. Um, so, um, yeah, we've just recently started watching the English. Like, I'm a bit kind of slow to pick up on this, actually. Um, and um, I think we're only like three episodes in. But, um, yeah, I've been watching that on catch up and um, it's really, really good. It's kind of like a series. Um, and I don't know whether it's produced by the same people that did The Last Kingdom, but it's definitely got some of the same sort of vibe 
Netflix's as, mm. as The Last Kingdom, um, like some of the cinematography and things. Yeah, and it's it just, um, yeah, it, it, it's got Last Kingdom vibes, but um, it's obviously about something like completely different. So it's about uh, kind of like the first sort of um, white settlers to, to America. Um, and it's kind of like the townships. Well, not the first ones. No, that's probably not right. It, they're a few years in. So yeah. it's set in about 1880-something. Um so it's definitely kind of like prime kind of cowboy time and sort of like, you know, the, the whole kind of, I hate the word, but like the cowboy and Indian kind of thing. So um, like the, there's a lot of like references to Indians in it. And it just, yeah, it, it kind of just highlights like the ignorance that was around at the time that they even called like sort of that the native people, they just called them Indians. Um, but um, it's it's quite educational as well because it kind of um, it covers things like differences between the tribes as well so like um, the infighting that was occurring between them as well as like um, fighting against the settlers and then um, the settlers are sort of fighting against each other as well because they've got like different cultural and language backgrounds and uh, from different places uh, but there's some very very creative um, deaths in that there's some real nasty bastards that get the comeuppance as well mm. um, and then there's sort of like some more innocent people that don't necessarily deserve what happens to them um, but um, it just seems like everybody's kind of like pitted against each other and it's quite um, yeah it, it's got quite a spaghetti plot to it really so um, yeah we're, we're still getting into it but I definitely recommend it it's really good mm. um, and it, just just watch it for the cinematography alone is like amazing there's a lot of like huge skies and open plains and like all the stuff that I used to love about sort of cowboy films as a kid like the you know like going through the deserts and things like that and yeah it's, it's just it's it's really good it's quite immersive <laughs> okay I, I noticed it's created by Hugo Blick which uh he was one of the creators um of Marion and Jeff which was a a sort of sitcom with Rob Brydon as a taxi mm. driver but yes. I, I used yeah. to love that so yeah if it's, yeah. if it's written as well as that, then uh, yeah, it <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Hell of> fish. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. but um, yes, the um, the script is very good as well. There's a lot of subtle clues in the dialogue between the characters as to kind of what's going to happen next type of thing. So um, yeah, it leaves you guessing. Mm. Where, where did you watch that, by the way? Is that on BBC or? Um, was it BBC? Um, yes, I think it's on BBC iPlayer. Pretty sure. Okay. Cool. I'll have a look. Uh, any other reviews, any zines that we should be talking about, Berg? Well, one of the TV things that I've been enjoying checking out, it's on Channel 5, and it's like Ben Fogle visits these kind of places that were formerly kind of quite well occupied that have become like ghost towns and ghost settlements and looks around and discusses what's changed and what it's like now and really, really fascinating way to look at history, the way that like sort of, I don't know, that um, islands got split in half was it like Crete? Um, yes. Yeah, Crete with the Turkish in, invasion and the kind of the battles there, or Detroit in in um, after a race riot in the nineteen fifties, just went from being a thriving cultural hub to like they're actually farming the inner city because these houses are worth nothing. And people just basically just farming the inner city and just building back from from now. And it's yeah, it's called uh, Lost Worlds by Ben Fogel, and yeah, found it really interesting. He's, he's one of my favourite. Kind of investigative journalists, I think. He's yeah. very fair. He's very human. 
and he and he likes to go and speak to either oddballs or go to odd places. Yeah. It's worth checking that out. The one where he was in Cyprus was amazing because they kind of like smuggled him to go and see hmm. some some monks, um, which was a bit bonkers, wasn't mm. it? So um, yeah, there's like lo- it, it just does like really mad stuff, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah. It's, great. it's like other than Simon Reeve, and we watched a bit of Simon Reeve talking oh. in South America. He's pretty good, but like yeah, I really like Ben Fogel's style of reporting. He's like clean version of masculinity, just curious. <laughs> And kind of interested in all the kind of intricacies of really weird situations and like understanding humanity by looking at that, I think is, is very useful. So like books and zines, I'm, I'm going to go through some stuff I've been reading. Um, I could go through so many zines I've been reading, but I'm just going to just pick some of the best ones. Um, Much Ado About Pudding is a tiny little A7 zine that's all about the Yorkshire pudding by Claire <laughs> O'Brien. Brilliant printing, lots of great information. And it was a little freebie when I got it from her. She's a really good artist. Uh, I highly recommend checking out Claire O'Brien. And if you get, if you order anything from her, get a copy of Much Ado About Pudding. Great uh, Shakespearean pun. Um, Christiana Bakzi... Christiana Bakzinski. Bakzinski. Sorry if I've said that wrong, Christiana. But yeah, she's released this, this series of four zines about like different plants you can get in the summer, the spring, the winter and the autumn. And it's fascinating array of kind of comic, she's a brilliant artist and she just writes about the intricacies of these barely known plants. She just released a book about it as well, which is probably really worth checking out too. But I find this niche knowledge just fascinating and they're, they're absolutely beautiful little A6 zines, colored on different paper, check them out. Yeah, I really like her, her artwork in them. Yeah, really good. Mm. Another A6 zine that I was massively fond of when I got it. Um, I, I didn't order this. My friend Nina sent me it, who we had on the podcast once. The Screever. It's a little A6 zine um, by a guy called Lee, who just interviews those bands, those artists. He gives them a lot, a lot of time, asks a lot of questions and intricate reviews as well. Really well illustrated. A lot of thought and effort goes into it. And yeah, just I just really, really. I like it when someone puts that much effort into a zine and it comes with like there's a compilation each time that, that comes with it like a SoundCloud and I think there's a physical release that goes with it as well if you buy it so check out the Screever I actually said to Lee that I wouldn't mind doing some reviewing for him for, for music because um, you know he sounds like he's got a lot on his plate there's a lot of things but yeah the Screever is a really cool zine um, also mentioning Nina I got we, we trade seemingly quite frequently for zines and stuff. Uh, and we met her in Belgium, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But that was a, it was nice. Nice actually meeting in the flesh yeah. outside kids and uh, the rock bar. <laughs> but yeah, her confined zines uh, are really excellent diary drawings about the, during the pandemic and what, what was happening. And also Ecotopia, I picked up with her first 10 years of zine making. It's just, that's fascinating. It's like a best of all of her zines. I really like when someone does a kind of uh, a, a retrospective over a period of time because there's so much that little details that you miss when you look at history, but when you look at what's presented in um, in zine making, it's it's often fascinating. NHS nurses have stories. It's like stories and kind of uh, things about from the perspective of a, a district nurse. <laughs> Lots of niche knowledge in here. <laughs> um, you see the Bristol stool chat with the different types of poos. <laughs> Oh, okay. uh, you, you really uh, get the humanity of the people that work in here and funny stories about like end of life care and dealing with difficult patients and I, I think that we've got to like understand what our healthcare workers are going through like or have been going through and yeah that's done with a real sense of humour 
I uh, don't know who the writer for this is, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll list it on the blog. Okay. Um, Gadji number 48, Gadji craps on a load about, uh, I mean that in the nicest possible way, about the stories, about his life and about what, what uh, hardcore music he's listened to. But the, my favourite in this was an article about the fence lodges before they drained uh, the, the kind of marsh area around Boston. It's all about like the people who lived in, in, the, in the kind of water and fished and kind of shot birds with these big massive punt guns and this whole area of like pulvoting over like different like marshes before they got drained and like uh like the libertines fighting against progress of getting their area drained so it could turn into these really flat fields that like boston is now just eerily flat area of like agriculture but it's just all marshland and yeah i love this article about that mm -hmm. so check out a bit of gadji fanzine um, and last two, uh, poor last number eight. Oh man, I really wish there was more poor last scenes, just working class women telling their stories. I could read that shit all day. Absolutely love it. Um, Emma and Selena now doing a podcast called Poor Last, which you can check out. That's really good too, but can't read it on the toilet. <laughs> really <laughs> like reading that shit on the toilet. The last one to mention is for the zines is Anarchy and Piracy by Gabriel Kuhn. Um, an, anarchi an anarchistic uh, essay written about the freedom of piracy and being stateless, basically, in the golden age of piracy. Um, really fascinating zine, like looking at that, the idea of just only like really 20 years on the planet where people could actually be free to do what they want, but they had to be willing to kill to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's the only zine that I've read that has an afterword where basically Damon Nomad, who's an anarchist, spends the time savaging the entire essay that I've just read and basically slating it. And it it's kind of a weird format for a zine to have someone, usually have a forward that says, this is why this is good. This one has a short forward, but then it has an enormous, like, retrospective riffing apart afterward. And I found it quite weird <laughs> to read someone's harsh criticism of something that I've just spent ages going, just got my head around those ideas. Oh, you think they're all wrong? Okay. I was like, yeah, way to go fighting each other and infighting anarchists. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> do you want me to do a few books? Um, you can do, yeah. Are you sure? Maybe not the whole pile. Not the whole pile. Millions there. I have. I've been reading pick a three. lot. Pick three. Uh, yeah, it's got okay. about twenty on the floor. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I read the autobiography of Woody Guthrie. A uh, very working class musician, very famous, and yeah, all about the things that people went through in the kind of dust pull periods. And my goodness me, I didn't realise things were so absolutely insanely like difficult, and how much of a working class musician that person was, like improvising lyrics on the spot and just just living through this period of absolute trashy history, but just making the best of it and, and sticking up for like the, the working class people. Really yeah. fascinating life that he's like. He, this guy's house burnt down so many times. His family just could never get into any sort of thing without something bad happening. There's horrendous, um, really like tragic scenes of him growing up and uh, one of the kittens needs yeah. stomach like steel to read that shit. But like, I really recommend it just to get an idea of um, what was happening in the Dust Bowl. Okay. Catcher in the Rye is brilliant, but I'm not going to talk about that. The, the perspective writing is amazing. But what I want to definitely talk about is. Persepolis uh, by Marjorie Satrapi. It's an illustrated uh, novel about Iran and about growing up in Iran and about leaving Iran and uh, and kind of the troubles that are going through there, the political strife and upheaval and 
the kind of revolutions and counter revolutions and the, the, the kind of bringing along of the, the kind of Islamic kind of uh, republic that's now sort of still in effect that they're fighting against and the wearing of hijabs and rebelling against that and how much you could rebel and it's a really fascinating book. It's, it's one of those that's really unput downable. Like I found myself just not wanting to stop reading it, but it's whole thing's funny and compelling and just like really well illustrated. Um, so I highly recommend that. That was uh, brilliant. I feel like that was that made into a, a film, maybe yeah, semi-animated yeah. film. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It was. Um, it was made into a film. I think they released it for like one of the film festivals in Leeds, actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I read some more anthologies uh, of sci-fi and read a couple of sci-fi books that were pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I'm going to talk about Ray Bradbury, The Silver Locusts. I found this, it's about settlers going to Mars. The ideas about Mars are totally wrong, but it, it, the actual ideas of, of, of how Mars getting colonised and basically ruined by humans, it's kind of interesting. You have to, you have to the step of imagination is you have to imagine Mars is a breathable atmosphere, which is a bit of a step of imagination, but it kind of looks at how humanity just destroys itself through the new colonialism to, to another place how mm. it sort of worked originally how uh, a series of short stories that are linked but also just looks at the kind of tragedy of human existence and uh, you know looks at the, the projected next sort of 150 years of, of humanity in, in a kind of very seismic way really like just just looking at different uh, paths that people have taken and humanity wiping itself out um, and trying to go in and invade the stars. Loads of twists and turns, like difficult to start, but like amazing to finish. Mm. And yeah, I highly recommend that. One more, if you don't mind. Um, last one, K. Dick. Uh, they, it's a, it's a, a kind of a book that got forgotten about, written in the 70s and then went out of print for ages, but it's really weird. It's a dystopic novel written in 1977 about this group of people that just come and just disappear artists if they get too involved in their art and it's about a group of artists who are trying to like reclaim a sort of existence where they basically have to this group of kind of cultureless barbarians that seem to be everywhere that, that are unnamed but none of the protagonists are described that the central character isn't described neither are any of the antagonists it's just what they do and what they're like pretty much and it's just the the kind of the difficulties of, of like artists trying to maintain any sort of semblance but without getting too involved in what they're doing trying to distance themselves from, from what they're doing but it's a really weird book as the woman who sold it to me put it but also quite fascinating and quite eerie and yeah it just makes you think about the struggle of the artist in a certain way so that's those are my reading recommendations Very check good. them out um did uh, somebody's got a song on here velvet fish uh who's that and What's it all about? Velvet fish. <laughs> Velvet fist. Um, fist, so, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I love the idea of the called Velvet <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Velvet Fist is like a new band from uh, Leeds. They're kind of like, uh, I suppose, kind of pop-punky uh, or very enthralling songs. And, yeah, heard them on record, really like them. It's uh, our producer, Ben, his, his wife, Liz, and some of their friends that are in plot. Plot 32 that played our wedding, playing a slightly different genre of music, really catchy kind of um, kind of pop songs, uh, punky edge. And yeah, and it's from a little EP they made called Premature Emasculation. And I was going to play the title track called Premature Emasculation. So this is Velvet Fish, <coughs> Fist, uh, Sock It To Him.
that's wicked. I mean, yeah, I really like those guys and like the um, a good bunch of humans as well. Great so. live. When yeah, we were at Pie Race, the, the, the fun festival people were booting beach balls out the window yeah. on stage. And I was like, <laughs> booing at the beach ball and the guitar players basically <laughs> trying to play. I was amazed though. They were like, uh, what's the word? Like consummate professionals and they just kind of cracked on with it, carried on. And uh, yeah, they were very good. Yeah, those beach balls disappeared after that set. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, they missed a trick though, not being called Velvet Fish. So uh, yeah. maybe someone should have a word. Maybe they should wait ten years and then rename themselves just yeah. to just to really flummox everyone. Yeah, if they need to get out of a contract with like a major record <laughs> label. There you go. Change your letter. We preempted that nicely. Um, <laughs> does Does anybody have any niche knowledge? I've got loads of niche knowledge, always about the niche knowledge. Like I'm, I'm really good at like shit pub quizzes because of the level of niche knowledge. Okay, well. <laughs> so I thought I'd give some season, seasonal um, niche knowledge um, today. So, um, yeah, I don't know what made me think of this, but I think um, basically uh, working from home and trying to kind of do domestic shit, um, I've been trying to do some laundry and then I suddenly remembered about like a thing I'd seen on TV like I don't know I must have been about 10 or something um about how um the Eskimos um dry their clothes in very very cold weather because it was kind of one of them things you don't really think about but like if you if you really think about doing laundry in very very cold climates where you don't have kind of like access to like you know a tumble dryer or whatever um so this kind of fits in quite well i guess with the cost of living crisis if it gets really cold and really shit um so what you do you do your laundry put it on your washing line it needs to be quite wet when you put it on your washing line so don't try and sort of like spin dry it or anything leave it on your washing line let it freeze and then you smack the hell out of it with like a stick or a brush or something (laughs) and then all the ice um comes out of it and then you have nice pretty dry clothes so yeah or blankets or whatever you've chosen to wash so that's how you dry things in cold weather (laughs) excellent and and sounds like in a similar way to watching sort of squishy body crunching horror films that there could be some catharsis there in oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah. smashing your clothes to bits (laughs) yeah Yeah. smash the ice out of them yeah Yeah. (laughs) top tip more than more Now that's my my uh, oh. my one for the se- for the season. You have to tune in next time to get more of your pour <laughs> into your head and get it out. Eventually, we'll be able to just do a super cut, like an episode just dedicated to niche knowledge. Yeah, come on, you, got, you, well, can, can I talk a, a little bit of niche stuff? Yeah, like, this course. might be really mine is is less like Charlotte's. It's like uh, obvious stuff that I just only just learned to do, basically. Right. So. Um, my, my bit of niche knowledge is about uh, learning to lather because I got that really expensive shower gel that's £6.43 from the refill shop. <laughs> I'm going to use this stuff, so I used it. But I ended up going, oh, I've got to lather it to make it last quite a bit because it's so expensive. Sounds really posh. Yeah, well, like, make, 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 when, you, when you put shower gel, you just slap it on, but like, you make lather. a nice lather of it and you get your soap on it. But actually, really, like I had this like yeast infection on my chest that's kind of sorted out quite a lot. It contained geranium and lavender. But I was kind of like, oh, well, that's geranium and lavender might be sorted out some of my skin problems. So, mm-hmm. so that's a bit of niche knowledge. But like just actually having to lather it to, to put it on yourself, I was like never really bothered to do that until it got so expensive. I just ended up ordering an enormous tub of this like re, uh, big like five litre tub of this stuff that was cheapening on the refill Faith shop. Faith in nature. Although I, I will try and get it refilled like uh, because I think that's a, a big bit of plastic. But it worked out better than buying a little smaller bottles, I guess. 
but there's that but the other thing in showering i've been using soap bars for my hair not soap bars like shampoo bars for my hair mm. um rather than like you know getting a load of plastic bottles that get recycled basically just just rub it all over your head and you make a lather of that maybe it's a soap from that just doing my chest good so like i highly recommend if you've got short hair especially the the soap bars like that's a good way of cutting out plastic Having bananas instead of cake bars, that's, that's being cut down to my single use still, you know, I, I take a banana at work, that's bad air miles, but like less plastic. And my last little one is, um, you know, the little takeaway tubs that your sauces come in if you, when, you, when you splash out getting a takeaway. Mm-hmm. And those are great for putting seeds in for like next year, just take them out of whatever I'm eating rather than buying seeds. So just put them in there, dry them out a bit, leave them in off, wait till they're dried then store them for planting in the springtime so i'm always saving the takeaway tubs to um to put my seeds in for, for next year so i don't have to buy any more seeds trying to live more sustainably and get the on takeaway <laughs> so that's my niche knowledge should we move on yeah. are we going to do room 919 again yeah I'll... let's do it have you got something for it i haven't but... you haven't oh well you've got a bit of time to think we'll show yeah. put something in when you're feeling fine and so um yeah i think for 919 i'd really like to put um it's a weird term but twixmas so that lovely bit of time in between christmas and new year where you've done all the cooking you've seen all the people you've got a little bit of downtime um and like yeah i I just love that that little bit of downtime so those, those few days in between all the crazy where you can literally just sit on the sofa, eat the last bits of cheese and stuff, or, or like, you know, start on the new cheese that you're supposed to be saving for New Year's, um, eat chocolate, watch shit TV, uh, wear your new pyjamas, and just generally be a total slob for a few days, and it's all legit. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to, is Twixmas. <laughs> can we have one before as well as after? Because I want a load of times. <laughs> the main thing I want. <laughs> All right, well, my room 919, the room where everything's nice and fine, I want to put zines in. I just, I think that like self-publishing, even if you're doing what the anarchist did of slating someone else's essay, I don't know why they did that stupid anarchist. Um, But like, yeah, saying what you want and saying exactly how you want to publish it, like self-publishing and zines is is what I'm putting in. I think like listening to all those people before who've been doing it and why they're doing it, they're not doing it for any particular reason or profit. But yeah, linking with all those people made me really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, self-publishing and zine making can go in for me. Yeah, very good. I'm, I'm surprised you've not put zines in there already. I feel like that you know, there's a lot of filing cabinets full of zines in in room nine one nine already. But there is in my yeah, house. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, our house is basically turning into nine one nine. Yeah. Well, Aww. what what a better place to be. Thanks. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, well, I'll put in I'll put in effective protesting um just yeah. because yeah. I'm, I'm so pleased to see that the, the the Chinese people have managed to affect some change however small yeah. um through protesting and like and that kind of direct action and I, I, I often look at protests and just think no one's listening you're not going to change anything but to mm. see to see that even you know however small um I, I just think that's brilliant and I, um we should fight for our right to protest yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. down with that sort of thing yeah <laughs> careful now <laughs> to hear that you two live in room 919 is, is probably the most heartening thing i've heard <laughs> all week not everything um, 
919 that we've put in there is in the house, but like, yeah. you know, we're working towards it. <laughs> yeah. A quick shout out to our listeners. Um, it looks like uh, we, we've still got plenty of people tuning in whenever we uh, randomly do decide to drop one of these. So that's good. Um, primarily in the UK, but also uh, we've got a big following in uh, the States and Germany and Belgium and Australia and Chile and Denmark and Ireland. Um, There are our top countries by listening. So um, hello to all of you people and thanks for subscribing Um, and do send us a message on on Facebook or Instagram or something like that. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Um, Any any conclusions, any messages we want to send to people before we sign off, probably for the last time in 2022 and and see people again early next year i really want to hit some frozen laundry washing now like <laughs> said that. i've never done that before like uh, it works yeah. I've, I've tried it it does work really you... it's not been washing. cold enough yet though we need it to be really cold next <laughs> week i think there's a high temperature of zero some days next week mm. so you should so could you film some of this uh yeah of this definitely frozen would, yeah. laundry beating yeah. yep Absolutely, yeah. We need it to be below zero because it needs to be like cold enough to freeze it like solid. So um, yeah, okay. definitely. If I get a below zero day, I will do that. I'll film it and I'll show you what happens to a bath mat that's been frozen. <laughs> okay, on, on Tuesday, um, it starts off at minus four and then there's a high temperature of zero. Um, so Tuesday... Beat some laundry for me. Maybe I'll put them out overnight and then I'll give them a good smack in the morning whilst drinking coffee. Got to go to work on Tuesday. We've got to be in the car by quarter to seven. Oh, no, I can't because there's a train strike. I don't have to go to work. Oh, don't you? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, you can smash some laundry. (laughs) Stick it to the man by smashing up your laundry. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll make a video. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, we can can use that for promotional purposes (laughs) on our social media. Does anyone else join a conclusion from this time that we spent together i think like my main thing is i just kind of want to wish anybody that's listening um a really happy break a happy christmas a happy new year and just like a good rest and um, hopefully kind of like um 2023 is going to bring easier times for everybody and um yeah we'll see stay positive i think that's my kind of thing yeah yeah Uh, good break uh, yeah i agree with with every word of that yeah i think it's going to be quite a difficult time for a lot of people um sort of financially and and emotionally and stuff yeah but, uh, christmas is hard anyway but, yeah, yeah yeah um and and i know loneliness and things can kind mm. of come to the fore but um you know we're, we're on episode 22 of super beast here there are 20 one other uh, hours of entertainment to, to listen to and we'll, we'll keep you company if, if it comes to it yeah. <laughs> you can hear about how bleak it was in the past <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe in comparison things won't seem so bad yes <laughs> um, but yeah yeah definitely I, I hope everyone has a, a really great time and gets some time off work as well I mean that's mm. that's my one of my favorite things about this time of year yeah and reading zines yeah yeah and Play with some cats. pets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to hang around. I'm going to print books going to ride around my shoulder. Very good. Well, don't eat any animals. Um, and uh, I'll see you again in uh, 2023. And yeah. we should um, we should aim to to put more episodes out next year. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good resolution. I think we should promise to do that. Yeah. Let's let's say let's try for one one a month next year. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, keep the momentum up a little bit. Yeah. Um. 
okay well uh, just before we say goodbye i'm going to i'm going to play a song to, to close um uh, yeah it's i mean you, you as soon as it comes on you'll you'll realize it's it's my kind of thing it's a man talking over some music so you know that's very much <laughs> the genre i i work in uh, it's a guy called ratso which is just a great name um, okay. and a song called i want everything and he lists all the things he wants and it does seem like he, he is very ambitious with the things he wants so um i'll play yeah uh, yeah i want everything by ratso to finish um but yeah goodbye everyone and uh, thanks for listening and have a great christmas
narcotic. I want everything. I want everything. I want the rose and its thorn. Situations all torn. Elevens and sevens. A place in heaven. I want everything. Well, that's lovely. Thank you.